it's your girl Rosalind coming to you with a brand new podcast called Novel Black Girl. I am one of the three lit chicks coming to you, bringing to you new perspectives on books, new and old. Coming to you from a living room near you, unknown disclosure, unknown location, so no call it over here. But yes, this is a brand new podcast, Novel Black Girl. My name is Roslyn. Now I'm about to kick it over to my homegirls over there. They're going to introduce yourself. All right, AJ, it's your go. Hey, y'all. Before I introduce myself, let me tell y'all why this is a special day for us to be recording episode one of Novel Black Girl. It's National Book Lovers Day. Like she said, I'm Alana. She calls me AJ. Just call me Alana. It's cool. <laughs> I'm just a tech girl that loves to read, and I'm excited to go on this journey with y'all. Hey, everybody. I'm Vaniqua. Most people call me Renee. I'm originally from New York. As Alana and Roz echoed, we all just love reading books, so we are excited to kick off our first episode of Novel Black Girl. As the women of Novel Black Girl, our goal is to provide a platform that uses literature from authors of color to spark open and honest conversation and give voice and perspective on issues that impact us and the culture. For five years now, we've been reading books in a book club forum with some of our sister friends and recently decided to make this a podcast. This idea was born out of the idea that we have such open and honest and fun, quite frankly, dialogue with each other. And so we wanted to share this with the world and invite other voices to have this conversation with us. We're going to be specifically focusing on reading authors of color as our book club organically did, even without that being our original mission. So we hope this conversation spreads worldwide and allows people to share their perspective as well. The first book we're going to be reading is The Wonderful I'm Judging You by Lovey Ajayi. I chose this book so that we can have some unabridged conversations about things that we all think, but she so eloquently says in her- As Renee was saying, uh, Lovey, she just, un, uh, without any shame, just keeps it real. It's called The Do Better Memory. We all need to do better in life. But this book just puts it in real context and so for this month's book club we decided to read this book and for week one we highlighted a few things from part one that we wanted to um discuss as they were a few things that we had in common so um part one was entitled life and throughout part one they talk about uh, friendships relationships self um uh, when bayhood goes bad also about weight, uh, weight. it was titled Wait a Minute, but there was a various topics that um, were discussed throughout part one. So one of the ones that we wanted to highlight that we found to be interesting, of course, as we are friends here on this podcast, we want to talk about friendships. So why must you suck at friendships? Well, isn't that a title, y'all? Why must you suck at friendships? Um, I'm a, hopefully, I don't suck to y'all as a friend. <laughs> but, you know, we're keeping it honest, open, and real here. So, but yeah, so one of the questions that uh, was prompted out of this was she describes the type of friends you have in a friendship. So she explains the competitor, 
the SOS pal, the venture, the Lan uh, the Lannister, the surface friend, the frenemy, the enabler, the flake, and the holy roller. So what we found interesting were the competitor and the holy roller. So what um, when you guys think of friends, we just read this um, part of the book. What what were your initial thoughts? I immediately wanted to categorize my individual friends into one of those buckets. And I also tried to put myself in one as well. But uh, for sure, the competitive friend really struck me because it was just interesting to hear this perspective of this friend who, you know, um, when you do good, they want to one-up you or count your flaws or point out the things that you haven't done so well instead of celebrating with you. And so um, it was just interesting because I'm sitting here like, have I had any of my friends do that? And have I done that to them? Fortunately, I don't think I have, but y'all tell me if I'm wrong. Cause I, you know, you never see your own flaws more so than other people can see them. I don't think you have, you haven't for me at least. I mean, that's a real question because based off another book we read where we're talking about categorizing friends and you don't choose your friends, uh, friendships aren't just made, but you have to initiate them. So that just prompted that aspect of like, so are they a community friend? Are they uh, uh, one, of the, one of the other circles? Are they on my far left? Or are they the far right? So definitely uh, prompted some thoughts um, I know I'm just competitive, but I think I'm not the competitor friend in this aspect. I'm more of a competitor like, oh, you lifting 225? I'm going to lift 225.5. So, so, like, that's me. But I definitely can see how you have your haters and your enemies. And you know they always say keep your enemies close because sometimes it's just like that out here in the world. So if you have a competitor friend, can you maintain that friendship? Or do y'all feel like that friendship is done once you realize they're co the competitor? You can just recognize, I mean, that competitor could just be an aspect of them and may not outweigh all the good that they do. So, I mean, you can always just call them out and be like, you acting jealous. Like you, I mean, you your envy is showing. You could just, if y'all that close to friends, you can just keep it real and just call them out and be like, you acting real uh, Molly-ish right now. Like, I'm trying to do good, but you not, you not supporting me. So, I can go both ways. They can, y'all can discuss it, talk about it, or they can get in their feelings and be like a whole season of insecure. So do we feel like the competitive friend is always rooted in jealousy? Um, that's a good question. I mean, if it's, where could it be coming from, though? Because I mean, you could just self-centered, right? Every time somebody starts to talk about themselves, you start talking about yourself because you're self-centered. But but that means you're jealous they're getting attention, though. I well, feel you like don't know how to stop talking about yourself. No, I mean, are they a narcissist then? No, I'm asking. I don't know. I feel like I'm the cheerleader that's always gassing my friends up. And so I can't really put myself in that thought process. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like I'm the loudest cheerleader 
and I'm competitive like for my friends to the max like I might be more competitive for you than you are like what you about to be the best at that right like <laughs> and if you're not I'm probably a little too aggressive but I don't so I don't know I can't really put myself in their shoes but I'm just wondering is the competitor always jealous I agree. You are definitely that cheerleader friend. <laughs> maybe the competitor isn't always jealous or maybe it's like Ross said, insecurities. So maybe it's not necessarily that you're jealous of the other person. You're just noticing where you lack mm -hmm. in certain arenas or whatever the case may be. Maybe someone just got a new job and you don't like your job and so you're just stuck in this rut of not being happy with what you have going on and so i don't know does that mean that they're jealous that they got this other person got a new job or does it just mean that they're just not happy within themselves not sure could be a mixture of both things fortunately i don't have no friends like this amen i was just about to say y'all have any friend competitors or have y'all ever had any yeah, nah. Mm -mm. I definitely had a friend say some stuff that made me think they could have been, but I don't know if it was less of a competitive friend and more so just like they weren't my cheerleader. Hmm. So what like, about that one-sided friendship? Can y'all handle that? How do you handle that when you're in that predicament and you realize this is one-sided now? I don't, don't do you need support you gotta know who you who you can go to i mean some sometimes just like with other relationships in life you you know who you can go to with certain things if you're trying to keep a secret you're not gonna go to your friend who's a blabbermouth so if you're trying to get a word out go tell them <laughs> and they can spread the news for you so <laughs> i mean it's it's you just gotta know your circle and where they fall within it are you still friends though, even though it's one-sided? Do you still consider them your friend? I mean, it's one-sided from just one side perspective though, if that makes sense. Same so way. we see them as a competitor, but they can acknowledge me like, yeah, I'm competitive. I'm trying to be where you are. I, I'm in a rut right now. So, I mean, if they acknowledge it, it's all about acknowledgement. They acknowledge it then I don't, I can still work with them. But if it's, if it's one of those things where like you just constantly hating, I don't need that energy in my life. We can cut ties. Alana, you said you can't handle the one-sided friend? Mm, no. Mm -mm. That's just automatically you cut off? So, okay, so here's the thing. <laughs> I can't stand a one-sided friendship, but I give people chances to fix it. Like, I will tell you, I don't like how this friendship is going. I feel like I'm pulling all of the weight. I feel like I'm putting forth the effort to foster the friendship. And then I give you the opportunity to do better. Like she said, it's the do better manual. If I tell you, you're not being a good friend, you get a chance or two to do better. If you, you gotta go because what's the point but it's, then on the flip side you know how you you expressing yourself you say well i feel this way and then you get that one person well i don't like the way you then you end up 
with that be like so just because I got an issue now you got an issue you ain't never had an issue before so where's this coming from you gotta deal with that so it's like it's like is this a true concern or are you just again competitive self-centered just mad I'm trying to make this friendship work that you got an issue now so if they have an issue now are you still their friend you still working it out Riles or what you gonna do we can we hey we, we can work it out I'm not I I'm like Alana, you know, I give you chances. I, I I give you some chances. I'm not too, unless you just do me dirty, there's not too many times I just cut somebody off just like that, so. I feel like at 30, this new 30 thing is changing a lot of the ways that I look at things. And so it's not about cutting people off. I'm just not willing to put in a certain amount of effort anymore. And so once I feel like it's one-sided in communication or checking on you. So one of my closest friends, we don't live in the same state and we don't talk every week, but when we link up, it's great. We pick up where we left off. And so that doesn't feel one-sided to me because we're both equally, we don't reach out all week long but we will check on each other consistently enough. Um, but if it feels like I'm always reaching out to you, I'm always checking on you, you're reaching out when you need something, et cetera. At 30, I think I'm just no longer interested. Um, and so it's just kind of like parting ways without even having to have some awkward conversation. Um, and it usually works out okay because they're not used to reaching out anyway. Um, <laughs> and so it's just kind of like, yeah, I used to in my 20s reach out to you all the time. And now I just genuinely am I'm like, mm, okay, I see you on Facebook and whatnot. You good. And That's understandable. Acquaintance, you are. <laughs> so I guess what boundaries do you each establish in your friendships? Like what, how do you separate somebody from being like a really close friend to just like an acquaintance? Mm. Um, I don't know. I got walls in general. So the longer you you're around me, the more walls, more comfortable I am with you. So that's why I only got about ten good friends now. Cause I'm not just giving not to get nothing in return, and that's that's with their, any and every type of relationship. So I mean, like you said, once you hit thirty, ain't nobody. I ain't got no time to be wasting on my uh, it's, it's, yeah, I just, just ain't got no time or the patience to be like, oh, okay, you want that? Oh, okay, I'm good. Especially because, you know, not, not to skip ahead, but you know, I could be considered low-key a holy rope. I'm not, I'm not always about that life. Every now and then I may twerk, twerk, twerk a minute or two, but other than that, I'm usually in a church piece somewhere, so. <laughs> That's a good segue. I'm okay with this segue. But I don't think I, you're holy, but you're not a holy roller. Yeah, I'm not the holy roller roller. Like, I don't wear all white as the church nurse holy roller. I'm not sitting that on the front pew with the motherboard. But I will pull out the holy oil and pray for you if you need it. And I like that about you because we need some of that balance in the friendship circle. But what I wouldn't like was if you was the type to be like, uh-uh, what would Jesus do when I'm trying to have me a little sip of tequila? 
I didn't need somebody to say that to me once or twice. So maybe I do need you to come on vacation, but well, I tell you. Well, I mean, you know. And that's not that's not necessarily what would Jesus do. That's like you just had a little too much, friend. You may want to come back. Pull that back. <laughs> cool with that. I can deal with that. Just don't shame me for my decisions. I appreciate that. Don't shame me. I never felt shame for my decision. <laughs> exactly. So that's a boundary right there. Don't, just because our views may be different on how we participate in things through life, doesn't mean neither, neither one of us are better than each other. Like, so no, but I appreciate the accountability you both would hold me to if I'm tripping. Like, if I'm out here just like out here, out here. I feel like y'all would not bite your tongue and be like, you tripping. And if I needed to hear what would Jesus do, you would say, what would Jesus do? Because sometimes you need it to be like, reel it in. The flesh has completely taken over. Um, and so I like the balance of the two because I know y'all not going to have me out here looking like I'm crazy. Alana has literally physically carried me before to make sure I didn't look like I was crazy. Mexico 2019, but yeah. I appreciate it. But yeah, so you guys, so like, in regards to boundaries, like, I don't want anybody out here belittling me, shaming me. So there's a difference between shame and accountability, too. So like, criticism and just dogging somebody out. Like, you're not going to just run me through the dirt. But I need you to, if, you, if you're going to run me through the dirt, at least pick me up and dust some of that off my shoulder. That's real. I think the boundary I have established at this point is you cannot be a headache for me, right? Like friendship should only add to my life. So the moment they start taking to me, taking from me, it's like a toxic relationship. And just like I would break up with a boyfriend, I might have to break up with you as a friend because you should only add value to my life and not add headaches to my life. Um, and so that's, I need you to be my peace when you're my friend. The moment you're not my piece, I might have to take some time off or put you in the acquaintance bucket. I was just about to say, can friendships go on breaks too? Absolutely. Because mm -hmm. I know sometimes in relationships, when it comes to rom uh, romantic relationships, some people say breaks, they like, well, we taking a break, we broken, we breaking up. So like, how does, how does that differ though? I feel like you got to be cognizant of the same things like that break happened for a reason and so maybe during that break you realize dang we should actually break up I don't need that back in my life and sometimes we try and it goes bad again and it is to a breakup a complete breakup um I don't know if my friends can take a break I don't know if the Gemini and me can handle that because after a while I'm chilling without you. Ain't no need to act. Like, again, we could cordially, I'm cordial with all my exes. I could be cordial with all ex-friends and leave it at that. I don't know. That's weird. That's weird. I get real comfortable because I don't need my circle big. So you mm -hmm. take a break and you out there, I'll miss it. You might be just out there for the rest of your life. So, you know, we touched on the, you know, the bayhood as Lovey mentions, mentions it in the book. So, um, on page 34 of the book, far too many people allow this ride or die thing 
to uh, emerge. So, so what's, what's y'all's perspective on this ride or die? Are you riding and dying? Are For friends you... or in a relationship? Well, well, let's since we were in friendships, let's go for there, and then we're gonna go into this this relationship, you know, romantic type deal. Hmm. I just don't want to die for like anyone in particular, like unless it's me saving somebody's life because like it's my mama and somebody like needed a lung or something. Like I don't know, man. Just dying for somebody sounds real extreme. It's the dying part. Like, I'm a ride with you. Mm-hmm. But if it comes to the point of death, I'm going to be like, Ugh. So death is a boundary for us, as I'm hearing. <laughs> Nobody's dying out here. It just depends on the situation. Because, like, in the context of women riding or dying for men in relationships, it's usually, like, he messed up in some capacity and now you gotta stick it out with them right like um i think for relationships i'm riding with my husband if there's not a rock on this finger i'm not riding either for friendships i'm riding when it feels right i'm not riding and you're wrong um i'm not going to disown you or not have your back but like if you're for example entering into a toxic relationship i'm not riding with you i'm gonna be there for you if things go south but i'm not just riding because you automatically get this ride pass because you're my friend or you're my spouse or you're my parent i'm riding when it's right if you're wrong you're wrong and i got your back and i'm not going to curse you or disown you but I'm riding when it feels right and aligns to my values as well. I'm not riding for just everything with anybody. My kids, my husband, nobody. I'm riding with Jesus and that's it. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I can ride, but uh, don't lock the doors because if I want to tuck and roll, <laughs> I'll pop uh, out that car, okay? Tuck and roll. And I ain't dying for nobody. I don't know that I'm dying for my parent. I just, mm. I love my mama, man. My daddy. Yeah, but they've lived a life. I feel like in that moment, I I might die for my child, mm. but I ain't dying for nobody else. I'm selfish enough to admit that. I mean, if God said die right now, I'd still be like, you sure? <laughs> <laughs> ain't no way around this. <laughs> Well, when I think of, like you said, uh, the riding uh, in regards to marriage and like having a husband, you know, in my mind, here here I go again with the holiness, you know, in a marriage, you know, you die to self daily because marriage is a daily compromise. So, I mean, one day you wake up, you want to do this, but if it, if it isn't good for the unit, the family, the marriage, and y'all are at odds, somebody's going to have to make a compromise and that may be taking a step back or not necessarily dying in, dying in the respects of life and death, but you know, you got to suppress that, uh, that flesh. So for what's for the better good of the, the family. So, I mean, I totally agree. This definitely ain't riding and dying for no, I know it's a catchy word nowadays for no entanglement. So, so you better be, you may get a, I may just push you 
on one of those little Tonka truck things, some little three-wheelers. But if, 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 it, if it's nothing like a marriage or anything, but, you know, think of friendships. So I may, for y'all and these other friends, I, I may, I, I may, mm. <laughs> I'm riding definitely, but I don't know. You know how they used to say back in the day, if your friend jump off a bridge, you're going to follow them? I'm not doing that. So. <laughs> I might just start praying. Jesus, intercede. We need a miracle. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to try to stop you, but I'm not jumping off of no bridge with and you. I'm not risking my life to stop you. So if you get too close to the ledge, I'm going to be like, mm, let's start praying. Repent right now before you go. <laughs> We're not, we not bungee jumping together, y'all. That's what I, I just. I just don't say I bungee jump, but that's but that's some security. That's a that's some security right there. I'm not free falling because I, I ain't the girl that holds your coat and your keys. <laughs> like go, y'all! I'm so proud of y'all. That's the security. <laughs> exactly. I thought you was the adventurous one out of the group, Renee. I am, but bungee jumping feels. I don't know. I jump out of a plane before I bungee jump. It feels more aggressive to bungee jump, do the swing back and forth. It just, mm -mm. I'll go skydiving with you. Yeah, skydiving, I would do that. But bungee jump just feels aggressive like a roller coaster that does the drop, and I'm not here for that. Yeah, that's what gets me. Yeah, I can't. Mm -mm. We got off on a tangent, but <laughs> I, had a, I had a question for y'all, though. So this was a book we read before, and maybe we can reread it for our listeners, but American Marriage, in the context of riding or dying. Mm, we should totally reread that for our readers. Read it. Okay, for those who are listening, tuning in, American Marriage by Tayari Jones, I believe is her name. If I mispronounced it, my bad, girl. Book was bomb, though. Mm -hmm. Husband. Husband. Not boyfriend, not entangled. Don't give it all away, though. Don't give it all away. Give a little bit. Husband goes to jail. Are you riding with him? Go to jail for how long? Tell him how long it was. Oh, so you got limits? Is there a length of time that you're willing to ride with him? For me, yes. It depends on where I am in life. If, if right now, 30, no kids, Renee's husband goes to jail for more than five years, I will love you from afar, but I have to have children and keep life going. So at least you need to let me adopt a baby, something. Life, life just can't completely stop for me if you want to, especially if you're guilty. Now, if you're not guilty, so her husband was not guilty, so that changes things as well. So the time frame and whether you're guilty changes things for me and where I am in, in life as far as what can I do without you being physically present. So, I don't know. Conjugal visits? Can I at least get this sperm to get pregnant? <laughs> can we, is that a thing in prison? Can he give me the cup? I mean, I think y'all could get it in if y'all married. I don't really know because I don't have a husband. Is or... that how conjugal visits work? If you're married, you can get her? Pretty sure. Okay, so then yes, that changes my answers. Yes, I can stay if you're not guilty. And it's like a good five to ten year bid as long as I can get some sperm and get us some kids going. Yeah, I'm riding it out with you. 
five to ten years and you can get any and he's not guilty yeah if he's not guilty i'll probably i'm gonna ride it out with him what if he guilty but it's something simple like <laughs> like what first of all you knew what he was before you married him so you might as well stay if you if, <laughs> if he's guilty you never know it could be something like what if it's i stole the medicine our kid needs because i we couldn't afford it i was gonna say maybe he went to colorado brought some you know wonderful green medicinal products back with him to the midwest state that we live in where it's not legal and got caught with it and they gave him some ridiculous time oh yeah i'm staying with him okay I'm gonna get him a good lawyer. We're gonna get you out, babe. That's that's understandable now. Now, if you know you you done linked up with a killer and he guilty, you already knew from the get go. <laughs> but why did he kill him? Like, was he trying to protect me? What does the why mean? Because if someone broke into our house. And he killed a burglar, but they sent him to jail because the system is designed to put black men in jail at all costs. Mm-hmm. I'm staying with my love. No, I'm not talking about because he's defending his home and his family. I'm talking about, yo, you stepped on my Jordans, you about to get it, type gangster. Mm-hmm. How long did he get? He killed somebody. It's murder. But how long did he get in prison? He's twenty to twenty-five. He got fifteen, and then he's then he's eligible for parole at twelve. He gets and he, okay. There you go. Do I have children? <laughs> Can y'all tell how important children are to me? <laughs> I don't know. We all make mistakes. I don't know. Like I don't know. One of those situational things for me. I really can't say your name. Because I don't want the killer sperm if I don't have children already. So that would be a reason to divorce him. But if I have children with him, don't step on my man Jordan. Yeah, it's definitely a situational thing for me. I have said that I wouldn't do a lot of things that I did in the moment. So you never know. Now, after three years, then passed, and he still locked up, and I'm. If you stay, are you allowed to entertain someone else as she did in an American marriage? That's giving. That's giving too much away. It's giving too much away. Well, if you all right, so Yandy, Yandy held it down. Mandisi's was in jail forever and a day. Was Yandy allowed to get her some while he was away in prison or not? <sighs> no, no. Yeah, I'm saying no because if they married you, you made a vow. It's me or no one. No discussion. It was just no. <laughs> what if your husband's like, go ahead, babe. I got no. 20 years in this thing. I ain't even gonna ask you to wait that long. We'll see where it's at when I get out in 20 years. What would you say? Conjugal visits, man. I get how how often I get They're not married. They wasn't legally married. Oh, that's, that's you only get that conjugal visit when you marry. 
Ah, well, Yandy was a good one for being around anyway. Shoot. Because <laughs> it wouldn't have been me not married. That was a father. Not unmarried. Um, she was engaged. She just wasn't married. Listen, man. Enough with these hypotheticals, because I don't know. You brought it up! <laughs> further. <laughs> You're going too far now. I'm just saying that's a real life situation. Uh, all right. So we talked about, uh, you know, the rotting dying and all of that. Um, yeah, it's just it's just situational for me. Like, I, I don't know. Like, because... I feel like a lot of time as women, we're the nurturers and supporters, and it's like it's almost expected of us mm-hmm. to rot or die. Um, and then the, as soon as you don't want to, it's like, oh, that she, she really wasn't in it for the. She was only in it when it was good, and this, this, that, and the third. And I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but a lot of times I don't see that reciprocated. So uh, from guys, but. What do I know? I'm over here single. So. Hey, listen, happily single. Praise the Lord. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. Because as soon as uh, a man cheat, they expect you to take them back. But as soon as you cheat, it's like. See, mm-hmm. I've had one of my exes who was a cheater, but we've had that conversation and he certainly said he would have stayed. Oh. Like he, the way he described it was he would have to forgive me in that knowing that I've forgiven him before. Or like the way he framed it, it felt like he said like, yeah, I deserve that. So I would just suck it up, stay, and we would move past it. But wonder if it was one of those things where he didn't deserve it. Like neither one of y'all ever stepped out and in, in a moment of weakness, you did. He he was still going to forgive and stay. And you're all know you got to get him on the call. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be one of our first uh, guests. <laughs> guests not him. No, not. Oh, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but maybe, maybe you got the pull. You got the juice that make him want to stay anyway. It's the same pull and juice that make us stay once we know they did us wrong and we give them another chance. So maybe we got the juice, we got the pull. You know, they out here talking about black men don't cheat anyway, so. There we go. Black women don't either. There we go. I've never cheated. So. So let's talk about these insecurities because I feel like that directly relates anyway. So Levy talks about being skinny and that's one of her major insecurities. What are you guys' major insecurities and how you do, how do you deal with that? Mm, my biggest one has been my skin. Lord have mercy. Yeah, I was probably mm, 17, 18 when my acne really started and so having adult acne was a very, very, very tough thing for me. <laughs> um, and I realized it was hormonal because it's happened around the time I started taking birth control, which was like, okay, so do I want to be pregnant? <laughs> or do I want to have clear skin? Both, actually. I don't want to be pregnant. 
and I want clear skin. Can I find the middle ground? But um, I don't know. I think that's been my biggest thing. And so I've kind of just accepted it, but have also been working to, you know, fix it per se. Um, so I've, yeah, I've just had to work through that for a long time because it's like my face is the first thing people see. So it's a struggle sometimes. I had a donk. Girl. Yeah, but oh no, it's it's been a struggle that I have had to work through, and I've had a few come to Jesus moments about me, and we good for the most part now. All right, so, yeah. um, hold on, I gotta get my charger. Okay, well, I'll talk about mine. Um, I think I have two current ones. Um, one is the weight. I mean, I blew up in college. I got like the freshman 40 and it just kept going up from there. Um, and so sometimes I feel like, like I'm literally wearing a fat suit and it's like, who is that girl? Um, and I think one of the ways that I, I really overcame that, but I'm learning to dress for my weight. I think it looks worse when you wear clothes that are too small or that are not flattering for how your curves have now expanded. And so I feel like you get a little bit of confidence when you put on some clothes or however you want to rock it and say, oh, I look cute today. Um, so that's one of the ways. And then the second thing I'm starting to deal with, okay, so 30 has given me, I've always had a mustache, but I'm getting this beard. So literally got it, um, taken off today but like I think I thought I was getting adult acne especially down here but it's really hair is growing in and so I'm going to try to figure that out because I just can't be the girl with the beard like I'm just not going to be able to handle that um and so that's certainly one of my insecurities she talks about plastic surgery in the book I would surely laser whatever the doctor says I need to do. I would do it. I am shallow enough to do it because the beard and the mustache and the unibrow, I can't handle all that. And being overweight is just too much. So y'all pray for me, but I'm surely making a doctor's appointment because I realized I had a, a real beard coming in this weekend. And so, yep, I'll pay whatever I need to pay and do whatever I need to do to get that beard about this thing. First of all, it probably wasn't, isn't a beard. That is, bruh. It took her a while to thread it and get it all up. Like, the thing is all up here. All up there is a beard. It's real. That's, that's relatable, because that's one of my insecurities. Is I have thick sideburns, and they grow down mm -hmm. and get the little chinny-chin hairs. Mm -hmm. But there ain't nothing I can really do about it. But I agree if, if, if uh, I could get laser... I would get laser hair removal, but then sometimes I've heard that can irritate your skin too, can leave blemishes. So it's it's like one of those things, do you just continue to thread and tweeze or do you get laser hair removal and then you may have blemishes? And we gonna see, cause I already threaded it today. We gonna see what happened, y'all. So that's what I just do. I just main, maintain it. And then luckily uh, I have a, birthmark that it sort of blends into with so that helps it a little bit if it, but it doesn't get too overbearing because 
I've been living with this for a while, so it's not it's nothing new. So my uh, skin and is sort of trained. So I've just yeah, because back in the day, I'm probably sure I probably could have connected because my top first was before before I started getting my my eyebrows tweezed and all of that, and you know this was. It wasn't quite like Anthony Davis, but you know, had a little bit and then. Yeah, I got that good old Anthony if I don't shave it straight up. So, you know, you just want to just, you know, one of those things ladies got to do just to. I know, but it's just not sexy. Can you imagine him touching you there and feeling your five o'clock? Yeah. Five o'clock is strong, bruh. It's not even like the soft, cute hairs. It's the rough course here. Like when she was threading it, she kept saying, I'm so sorry, because my skin was like pulling as she was trying to pull the hair out. Like it's too much. And I got mine threaded once before. That was that hurt. It hurts bad. I'm never doing this again. Like I'm I got always doing it as long oh as it comes back. I got the little mustache done. Like, that teared me up worse than my eyebrows. You threaded your mustache? Yeah, she did the, the full face. Oh, wow. No. She said she had to wax my mustache because the thread hurts too bad there. Yeah, it did hurt. It was worse than uh, getting my eyebrows. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep threading. As long as that hair keeps coming back, as long as it doesn't leave, like, any crazy bumps or anything, because I'm way too insecure about that. I can't handle that. That's a weakness for me. I've definitely gotten my entire face waxed. I can't do the thread because I heard it hurts. I've definitely done the wax of the chin hairs and the extremely long sideburns that turn into a beard. <laughs> so we all have this problem, I guess, huh? <laughs> I take the hair over this acne, though. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting both at the same time and that's what makes me super insecure. Like I never had acne. I had a beautiful clear face and now it's just been like acne's coming, hair's coming. It's just too much. Corona happened so I don't even, you can't get laid like you used to anyway and just too much at one time. Yeah. So. Just gotta take it day by day I guess. Whatever pops up, just tweeze it on out. Mm-mm. Every, every two weeks, professionally done. Would y'all ever do any plastic surgery? She talks about that in the book, too. Mm, I would get a, a, you know, a little breast lift. You know, that's about it. Anything else I can work on. Yeah, we're going to see how my body looks after a couple babies come out because that's probably what mine is going to involve. And maybe, you know, a little, little Botox here and there when I start to get the the lines and the shifts in the skin. <laughs> Whatever else happens when you... Some fillers. <laughs> oh, older, seasoned. I don't know. We're, we're going to see. As of right now, I haven't um, really thought too much about any cosmetic work that I could think of. I'm like, you just going to get what you get. <laughs> I'm say, you got me at my best. You better love me at my worst. Okay. And it ain't even going to be that bad because you they're going to be declining too. About to be like, bruh, 
I'll be out here 60 looking 30, so you better keep up. <laughs> yes. So would you be open if your husband said he wanted plastic surgery? That's his body. He can do what he wants. <laughs> okay. He out here getting some... some Men get fillers. Shot Sunset. Have y'all ever watched it? If we talk about getting some ab implants or something, then we oh, no, no, no. <laughs> or even like penis something. They do I stuff with the penis. calf implants before. Calf? Mm-hmm. I was watching this one. It was like an old MTV show back in the day, you know, when they used to follow the people who used to get uh, surgeries and stuff. I forget the name of the show, but this dude, he got calf implants. That's interesting. So, I mean, even even at the gym, training people, like some of the male clients, like they're good everywhere else, but they want bigger legs. They want bigger calves, like bigger, the the most random things. They want bigger forearms. I'm like, what? What, what is that going to do? <laughs> I have definitely seen men who do not skip leg day, but don't have legs. Well, I mean... I don't know. I feel like it might be a double standard for me. I don't think I would want my spouse to do anything, but I would totally get a boob job. Like I'm super down. I've been down for that all my life before kids, after kids. And then depending on if kids ruin my vahuha, I would get the rejuvenation down there because I want sis to be tight and right at all times. So as long as hubby's down to help me pay for that, I would do it. What was this word again? Vahuha. has to be at all times. Okay, so if the kids ruin that, we've got to pay for the rejuvenation for the both of us. So that's a uh, that's benefiting both parties basically. That's what you're it saying. is. I just want her to be pretty and poised and tight at all times. Pretty, poised, and tight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's why I keep it with the wax, even though I'm single. You gotta keep it pretty. I just shaved my legs today for the first time, and I don't know how many weeks. I did shave too, cause you know quarantine life is over for me, starting tomorrow. Yeah. It starts tomorrow. Work. In mm. person. Ooh. You going? Going? Well, I've been at work, but you going back? to an environment where people ain't been around each other for a minute and that's that can be kind of worrisome mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but i have that doctor's note that i'll be staying in my office the whole time away well, from people this kind of this kind of gets into the last chapter of uh part one where she uh so eloquently titles it don't be pig pen mm-hmm. She judging people for their hygiene habits. Who let's talk about it. I was, I was reading this like, who this chapter did not age well. Listen, y'all, this book was written or published in 2016. Now 2020, we're at the age of the coronavirus. And listen, we've been teaching people how to wash their hands, and that's a problem. Yeah. The thong song, 20 seconds. Like people hoarding on hand sanitizer, and I'm like, I've been had three big 32 ounce jugs in my house. <laughs> like, what have y'all been doing? Yeah, it's about to be real out here. Yeah, I can't do I can't do messy. Like, I need neat 
order. I, I like, it's bad enough. I wash clothes and the clothes ain't folded up yet. Like that's, that's, that's a lot for me right there. So you shoes off when you come in the door. You know, uh, I give you a pair of socks. Don't wear no shoes in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, How often do y'all wash your bras? Because she spoke about that. Do you wash them after one wear? Does it depend on the bra? What y'all do? Well, it depends on the bra. My my specialty bra hand wash basically after each use. Yeah, specialty bra. This is specialty bra. I mean, this is from Vicky Secrets, and I'm and it's expensive, and I don't want to get it messed up. <laughs> Got specialty bras. Well, I just hand wash that one basically after each use, and then sports bras they get washed after each use because I sweat. Mm-hmm. Um, and it well, that's all I wear to wear. So they, I mean, I wash clothes once a week. So she does the two extremes. You either get in a sports bra or you get in that thing from Victoria's Secret. I love it. <laughs> no in between. <laughs> either comfort or cuteness what you want hey. Alana what about you I'm definitely anti-bra but <laughs> when I wear one and it comes off it goes straight into the laundry and then it get washed on wash day so yeah no, I'm not. what about y'all jeans uh jeans I've worn twice before I wash them. Depends on what I did in them, though. Yeah. It definitely depends on what I did in them. If it was just like a quick, we going to dinner, and then I came right back home and took them off, because that's what happens when I get in the house. Clothes off. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've definitely worn jeans twice before they got washed. See, jeans are... I've shifted how much I wash my jeans. So before, when I was still wearing panties every day I could wear my jeans once or twice now that I quite often don't wear an undergarment I definitely wash them immediately after I take them off because I just feel like once anything touches the juices it's got to go in the washing machine so yeah I agree so my jeans especially uh I guess you could say my nicer jeans if it's like just out to dinner those just get aired out and probably after the next wear they're getting washed. But if it's like outside, you know, sitting around a bonfire type stuff, if you get smoke in there, then they're then they're gonna get washed. You can't let that just sit in there. So question. Do y'all wash y'all stuff way more frequently now that Corona is No. I've always been a once a week or so. I've always been in the habit of washing having wash day once a week uh so yeah that's that really hasn't changed yeah my routine is to take off my clothes and they go straight into the washing machine anyway so I do feel like I wear more than one outfit per day because of corona and so I have more laundry but it's not that I'm washing it more frequently it's just once I've been outside I don't care if I go to the mailbox once I Come back in, I take my clothes off and put it into the washing machine. That's that's the same for me. My load size has definitely increased. Mm -hmm. As soon as I come in the house, everything's by the door. (laughs) My little strip laundry in the washing machine. 
I do spray stuff down way more than I used to. It's like Lysol and yes, like all the time. I'm always my car, my house. <laughs> I feel like I don't spray stuff in my house, knowing that the clothes come off immediately, so I don't touch the furniture with dirty clothes. But the car definitely gets Lysoled and Clorox wiped down quite often. And same with my car keys and cell phone. My poor cell phone, thank God, is waterproof because I would have broke the old iPhone by now. So all I do is Lysol it. So <laughs> yeah, I can do better with my car, but I definitely have a bottle of hand sanitizer in the car. I use that basically since I'm still working and I'm around it, everything just goes in the trunk and then um, stops at the front door, goes off. I just make sure I Lysol everything in the house, like wipe down the doorknobs. And well, the first thing I do when I come in the house is I'm really thoroughly just washing my hands too. So I try to wash my hands before I leave work, get in the car, hand sanitizer. It's only me in my car, so come home wash my hands again, and then just go about whatever. And then put coconut oil on them cuticles because they are taking a hit <laughs> right now. <laughs> they moisturize because in the winter, when it was cold, my hands was dry, dry, all up in the, you know, mm -hmm. the crevices. So I was like, hey. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's definitely hard out here for my, my nails and my fingers because they stay dry, the polish don't last, the cuticles are rough if I don't keep putting coconut oil on them. So, yeah. So, ladies, you got anything else? I mean, we've hit on all the things we wanted to talk about. Anything else y'all want to hit on for our first podcast? I don't think so. I think we discussed everything. Next week is part two. Yes, part two of the book. Uh, we're going to read that and come back with another episode of the Novel Black Girl podcast. Uh, What's just part two called? You're going to have to look it up real quick. Let me see. Uh, let me see. Let me see. Let me go to the little notey note. Part two is culture. Racism is for assholes. The privilege principle. Zamunda is not a country. Neither is Africa. Rape culture. Nobody wins at the feminism Olympics. Homophobia. Fix it, Jesus. Bend it, Buddha. Amend it, Allah. Those are the topics right there. You might not be a good one because, you know, right now you got that, uh, Racism, Black Lives Matter. President, your president, your president. No, I mean, we gonna have some, because four years ago, hold on, wait, was it? Nah, who, four years ago, wasn't, uh, I don't want to sound dumb on this. <laughs> wasn't um, Obama in the man? Wrapping up. Just finishing. Yeah, they were just finishing. So, I mean, we went, we know what we had. And we know what we got so we can really see how this book translates from when it was first published to now hmm. you would hope we would have progressed but i don't think so so stay tuned for next week and see what we have in store for you all once again thank you for joining us for our first ever novel black girl podcast 
Always remember to enjoy, live life, and don't forget to like, click, subscribe. All right. Talk to y'all later. Bye. Yeah. Coming back to you with some novel Black Girl announcements. Don't forget to pick up the book at your local bookstore, Amazon, order it, Audible Books, whatever way you like to get your literature in. Again, the book is called I'm Judging You, the Do Better Manual by Lovey Ajayi. You can find it anywhere because it is a New York bestseller. You heard me, New York bestseller. Mm -hmm. Also, follow us on social media, on Instagram. And if you have any questions, feel free to comment on our posts and also DM us. So we're looking forward to reading this book along with you. So we read part one, part two next week. All right. Read follow up. us at, at Novel Black Girl on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.